Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. All right, everyone. Happy October. Welcome to this series we're calling Essentials. This series is designed to enable us to be radiant in supernatural ways. And it's an all-in series. We want to invite you, get a book, get in a group. We have a daily prayer that the book talks about that a great man of God named John Stott used to pray every day. We want you to memorize scripture. All of that's on the website. We want to invite you to jump all in in this series. Well, at the start, I need to confess. I have a confession to make about an unhealthy relationship that I have with Oreo cookies. I love Oreo cookies. And what's amazing to me is there's so many varieties. It's not just regular Oreo cookies or mint Oreo cookies or double stuff Oreo cookies. There are 85 different varieties of Oreo cookies. And regardless of the flavor of Oreo, by the way, thin mint Oreo is my favorite. And don't be disguised by the word thin. It doesn't make you thin. The Oreo is thinner. Just You're welcome. Just helping you out there, okay? Uh, Thin mint Oreo is the best. But I know regardless of the variety, what I can expect. I know I'm going to get a crunchy cookie, that Oreo brand, the beautiful cream. Mm, It's awesome. Unlike the knockoff JoJo's that Trader Joe's sells. I mean, I've tried. I've tried. The wafer is backwards sometimes. The wafer falls off and unlocks from the filling. Don't fall. Those Those are wolves in sheep's clothing, friends. I'm here to pastor you. You're welcome again. Listen, here's what happens when I walk down an aisle for Oreo cookies, much like when I bought these. I never have to open the package to make sure Oreos are inside. And why is that? Because of the brand assurance. Oreo has assured me, based on what's outside, what I can expect on the inside. In the industry, Oreo has uh, mastered what's called brand consistencies. Brand consistency. There's an article in Forbes magazine talking about the importance of brand consistency, and it says this, this quote in the article, these days competition for customers is fierce. Branding is the key to differentiating yourself. If you don't build your brand, Forbes says, around the reality and consistency, and if you don't live up to it, your branding efforts are pointless. Brands are built through the consistent delivery of brand promise through all touch points. It is the consistent delivered experience that builds trust. Now stop right there. Let me just say that again. It is the consistent desired delivered experience that builds trust. Nothing could be further from the truth for followers of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to following Jesus and Christianity, how do you think our brand is doing these days? As a follower of Jesus, does your life have brand consistency? Now listen, if you're watching this or you're in a house church and you don't identify as a follower of Christ, you've picked a great Sunday to gather and tune in because we're going to, in the next nine weeks, address the very thing that's probably keeping you from following Jesus. Most people I have speak to who aren't following Jesus are drawn to Jesus. It's just us followers that get in the way and give them pause. 
This series, based on Galatians 5, 22 to 23, will dig into the brand, the fruit, that should come out of the lives of followers of Christ. Followers of Jesus, our brand, if you will, uh, this passage is so important that we're calling this series The Essentials. And since context is everything, in reading Galatians 5, we're just going to be in two verses for the next nine weeks. But if you look at the context, you discover Paul building out two different operating systems that produce two very different types of lives. Most theologians call this the flesh and the spirit. Now, when you think of flesh, don't think of like skin that's, or muscle. That's not what Paul's talking about. Flesh, in a theological sense, is our base, self-centered appetites and desires. It's why I can't just eat one Oreo. I have to eat 20 in one sitting. It's my flesh that's desiring it, gluttony. But in Christ, when you come to Christ, you are implanted with a new superpower. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And now we have a different operating system that generates a supernatural type of character. That's what we're going to look at in the next nine weeks. Listen, flesh is distinguished by one word in Galatians 5, selfishness. Spirit is distinguished by one word, life, life. And for the next nine weeks, in the midst of an election season nationally, the likes of which we probably have never seen, I'm calling us as a community to evaluate which operating system is fueling us, is animating us, is driving us. The way to evaluate that, look at the fruit that your life is exhibiting. Look at the character coming out of you. Look at the way you spend your time. Look at the way uh, the words you use. Look at the motives for what you are doing. Look what comes off your fingertips out through your social media posts. So in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the Apostle Paul says there should be supernatural fruit coming out of us. We're going to look at that for the next nine weeks. And lists are important in the scripture, especially what's at the beginning of the list is, is more in preeminent, is to be preeminent. So at the beginning of this list of supernatural fruit, Paul puts love. Now, let's define that word together. In looking at the fruit that God wants to produce in a life rooted in the Holy Spirit, what is love? Because remember this, what God creates can be counterfeited happens all the time, right? It happened in scripture too. What God creates can be counterfeited. So what is Holy Spirit inspired, empowered, supernatural love? I'd actually like you to take 90 seconds and turn wherever you are, think about it if you're by yourself, and ask this question, what is love? How do you define it? Ready? Go.
All right, it's important what we think love is, but around here we operate by what God thinks. So look how God defines love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. Look what, look what it says. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Look at verse 10, everybody. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I want you to look at that passage, and here's what you learn from this. According to God, love goes, love sends, and love sacrifices. And the end result of love is always life. It's never destruction. It's always life. In other words, the sending, sacrificial, other-oriented love Friends, this is to be the distinguishing brand for followers of Christ. Don't take my word for it. Look what Jesus said right before he's about to die. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, look what he says. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must. That's why we call this series Essentials. So you must love one another. Now look what it says in verse 35, by this. Now stop right there, everybody. Let me ask you a question, rhetorical. What's your this? As a follower of Christ, what is it that's going to distinguish you as a follower of Christ? Jesus wants to weigh in on that. He did. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my followers, you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's like Oreos with 85 different brands. The body of Christ is like that. We're going to have different flavors of love, but there's going to be a consistent, sacrificial, sending, other-oriented love. There's a book that was really popular in the 80s, and it's a classic today called The Five Love Languages. And it talks about different ways people receive love. It's a fantastic relational book. Some uh, receive love by words of affirmation. That's my love language. Others by acts of service. Others by receiving gifts. Others by quality time. Others by healthy physical touch. Jesus said, you know what, church? I am going to indwell you and illuminate you uniquely, each one of you. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You are God's handiwork. And supernaturally, you will express others sending supernatural, sacrificial love that's uniquely made to you. But that is the brand that's to mark the church. So let's define it. What is love? Agape is the word that Jesus and Paul is using. It's a Greek word. It means Christ-shaped, other-centered, unconditional, sacrificial action. I'm going to say it again. Christ-shaped. Others-centered, unconditional, sacrificial action. Friends, this isn't hard. It's impossible. That's why we are implanted with this brand new operating system we learn about in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit. So that's what love is. Let's take a minute and look at what what love is not. I I really want to drive this home. Love is never self-oriented. It is never driven by what's in it for me, what's best for me. What about my rights? That's called entitlement. That's not called love. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 
verse 4 to 7, you see this great passage. Again, Paul explaining love. And right smack dab in the middle in verse 5, look what it says on your screen. It says, love is not self-seeking. That's important. So let me put on my dad hat for a minute and speak to kids and students for a second. Love is never self-seeking. If you are ever pressured to cross a boundary of any kind, and the motive given is, wait, 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 I thought you loved me, or wait, 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 but I love you, or hey, dude, I thought we had something, right? That's never love. That's manipulation. When you see peers manipulate you or pressure you or uh, in any other way draw you to do something you don't want to do, that's not love. Run away from that. Let's talk about church, PCC, in this moment that we're in in 20, uh, 2020, 2021. We've talked about um, our priorities for the coming year and walls that we want to see come down. We're going to cross through some barriers like never before we're praying we do. We're asking the Holy Spirit to. We're going to cross a generational barrier and empower the generations to passionately follow Christ. But we are focusing and empowering all the generations towards students and kids so that we can be the place where kids thrive. We can be a model for our city. They can look to PCC and go, gosh, I don't know what they're doing up there. I may not even believe what they believe, but I'll tell you what, in school is childcare, at the center, in preschool, at the church, kids are thriving up there. And the other priority of crossing through ethnic boundaries so that we can grow in our multi-ethnicity competency so that the city again can look to us and we can mirror heaven and they can look to us and go, gosh, I don't know what they're doing up there. I don't know if I even believe what they believe, but I'll tell you what, what we're trying to do here in the city and, and being um, racially sensitive, ethnically sensitive, PCC's nailing it. What it's going to take to do that is love. It's to focus off ourselves and focus on the Lord and on others and sacrificially, supernaturally, Give of ourselves for the other. So that's what love is. That's what love's not. How do we express this? Uh, let me take you into a story in my life to let you know how we express this. And it'll pull out a principle. Uh, I, I love all things Italian. I'm 100% Italian. And uh, about mm, 10 years ago, at Costco, Ann and I were shopping, and they were selling olive trees. I'm like, oh my gosh, the heavens opened. God said, buy an olive tree. So I did. And I put it in this big terracotta pot. And my first year with my olive tree, it wasn't a big one, it's about this tall. It produced five olives. Oh, I was so proud. And I thought, oh, I can't wait for next year. And I watered it, but did nothing else. The next year, one olive. I was going the wrong way in my crop. And so I called my neighbor who has amazing fruit trees and vegetable gardens. I'm like, help me out here. And he, he looked at it and he's like, well, dude, look, he looked at the root system and he said, Gary, like, have you fertilized this tree? I'm like, fertilizer? What's that? He said, look at these roots. This tree wants to grow out of this pot. You're not taking care of this tree. And then he said this to me, Gary, your roots determine your fruit. This tree isn't producing olives because it's rooted in unhealthy soil. 
Now listen, when we talk, I mean, about how to produce fruit in our lives, when my neighbor told me that, I thought, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit actually convicted me. This is the life of a pastor. It gets really weird like this, where normal things convict you. And I said, oh my gosh, what is the soil that I'm putting my roots in that's yielding the fruit I want to yield? Really important. My tree was dying for lack of nutrients. Maybe the lack of character in my life and in your life, if you're not satisfied with the character in your life, is because we're rooting our lives in the wrong soil. So you're going to hear this every week. If you want different fruit in your lives, examine where your roots are being placed. And here's what I'm saying on how to love well. To love well, we need to be rooted in the love of God. Now again, don't take my word for it. Look what it says in the scriptures. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain or if you abide, if you attach, if you are rooted in me and I in you, look what he says, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, Jesus invites us, friends, to be rooted in his love. He never invites us to remain in what most of us think about when we think, does God love me? We never are to remain in how we feel about God. We're never to be rooted or remain in our obedience towards God. We're never to remain in our circumstances. All of those fall woefully short of God's love. His love is unchanging. His love is unconditional. His love is eternal. His love is transforming. That's why right after he said this in John 15, verse 9 to 10, look what he says. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Look at that. Now remain in my love. Raise your hand if you've ever doubted God's love for his son Jesus. I haven't. I see it all throughout Scripture. Jesus was completely attached to the Father. Raise your hand if you've ever doubted that same love applies to you in me. My hand is raised. Listen, our task, if we're going to love supernaturally, please hear me, is to dare to believe that John 15, 9 to 10, is not only true, hear me right now, but it's the truest thing about us. The truest thing about us. That's why we're encouraging you every morning during this uh, series, and you can download this from our website, to grab uh, this card, which has an essential prayer to it that actually invites, it's a Trinitarian prayer, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to come alive in us that we would root ourselves in what really, really matters. So in conclusion, I want you to know the book we're reading called Cultivate, it has this great line in this chapter on love. You'll read it this week if you're in a small group. It says, love is fruit bearing evidence of our relationship with God. Love is fruit bearing evidence of our relationship with God. If we're rooted in God's love for us, God's love will flow out of us. Everyone look right here. And that is the brand that should mark Christians. 
That is the number one need our city needs. They don't need us to love in our strength, in our fickle love, in our I-centered, me-centered love. They need to see love of another kind, the love your enemies kind of love, the go the extra mile kind of love, the turn the other cheek kind of love, the give them your coat kind of love. They need to see God loving our city through us. So in conclusion, two applications. Here they are. What I want you to do with this, I want you to love small. I want you to love small. Mother Teresa said this, probably, I mean, what was she known for, right? Her amazing love. She said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Small things with great love will transform our community, especially as PCC does this and permeates into our community. And I hear about this all the time at memorials. Uh, you know, they wrote a note, they showed up, they sat at a table, they spent an extra time with me. It's the small things people remember. So I wanna invite you, this week, what are the small things that you can do? I wanna encourage you, write a letter, text somebody, Call somebody every day. Take in your neighbor's garbage can. Listen, that won't make your homepage's headlines. It's not going to make the headlines on CNN, but it'll make heaven's headlines. And how do we know if God's not going to use those small acts of love in supernatural ways? What would happen if every PCCer texted two people a day to encourage them? Oh my gosh, would you please take that as a challenge? Love small, here's the second application. Love sacrificially, love sacrificially. Look, I'm not asking you to love in your own strength, I'm asking you to go beyond your strength, to dwell into the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Ephesians 5, one to two. It says, follow God's example. That word example is a Greek word, mimete. It's the word we get mimic from. So mimic God, okay? This is not hard. Again, I'll say it, it's impossible. Mimic God, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to do this in you. Follow God's example, therefore, as God's dearly loved children. That's putting our roots in the love of God. And walk in the way of love, just as Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, sacrificing for others, that should be the norm for followers of Christ. This is our brand. And PCC, can I just say in the pandemic and in this crazy time that we're in, uh, there are so many of you doing this so well. Sacrificing, laying down our rights, that's actually why we're not gathering as a large community right now, because we care about the safety of our neighbors. That's why we've given to date over 90,000 meals away since COVID. That's why we've given out over $14,000 a month in tangible help in our community care fund. Prior to COVID, we used to give out about $2,000 a month. Since COVID, we've been giving away $14,000 a month. That's why some of us have opened our homes and empty rooms for people who were either displaced because of a fire or can't pay rent. That's why others are paying rent for people because they're in dire need. It's why some of you are sacrificing your Wednesday lunchtime to give up lunch and fast and pray for an hour through our noontime Zoom prayer. 
That's why some of you have actually increased your giving to PCC. Because you know at this time, so many people are hurting, they've decreased their giving because their, their income stream has uh, gone down. And for others of you, you've increased your giving. Because you get it, the church is far from closed. And you're giving in a way that's sacrificially. That's why some of you are stepping up in student ministries and volunteering on a Sunday night or in our midweek programs so that our kids can be kids and get off the screen for an hour or two a week. So here's my final question. I'm going to close with this. Pressure reveals priorities, right? That's why I'm eating a ton of Oreos these days <laughs> because the pressure has just revealed how much I love sweets. What's the pressure of 2020 revealed in you? Has COVID pressure revealed that you are generous in your love and generous in your sacrificing because you had an abundance? And now that the abundance is gone, your generosity of love and other things has decreased? Or has it revealed that you are generous in your love because Christ is in your heart and you are rooted in the love of Christ? And so you can't do anything but be generous in your love towards others. Friends, this is the call. This is our brand. Love. Let's pray. As you bow your head and your eyes are closed, I want to just ask you, I'm going to invite you to invite God to examine your heart. Where is there conviction right now for you? Listen, if you call yourself a follower of Christ like I do, if we do, we are created out of love of the Trinity. We are created for love of each other and God. And in this cultural moment, this is our moment. This is where we rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, would you please bring conviction? Would we dig our roots deeply in the love of Jesus? in your Holy Spirit-empowered uh, soil. Lord, would we confess right now that we want to just run away from functioning out of the flesh. Thank you for grace. And Lord, forgetting what lies behind, we look forward to what's ahead, and we press in to where you're leading, prompting, guiding us. Jesus, thank you for defining love, not just in your word, like we read today, but through your life and through the cross. You said greater love is no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. Lord, may we lay down our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit and love well. And may through that act, may you bring in a harvest of men and women, boys and girls, who come to know you and identify as followers of you and step into the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.